Make the world a Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to Better Place Project. Hey, everybody. In this episode, we wanted to take a moment to talk about the challenges we've experienced while trying to implement some of the things we've learned from our guests. Before we get into the episode, though, I just want to say a huge thank you to all of you for listening and supporting our show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wish I could send a thank you letter to each and every one of our listeners because it really means so much to us that you continue to listen and support our show and support our guests and their incredible organizations. You love that word. (laughs) Did you mean organizations? (laughs) But the best way to help the show is to share it. Give us a rating. Write a quick review, please. Follow us on Instagram at Better Place Project and Facebook. Uh, This is really the best way to get the show out there in front of a wider audience and to help more causes out there in the world that our guests have shed light on. I second everything you just said. Thank you so much. It has been a wild ride and we've enjoyed every minute of it and we are growing right along with everybody else. We've got so much feet we've gotten so much feedback from so many of our listeners that have been so inspired by these guests. And trust me, we are inspired right along with you. It's oh, been yeah. a great ride. So also I wanted to give an update on Paul Recessabagina, because we have not given an update in quite a few episodes. For those who do not know, Paul Recessabagina is the real-life hero portrayed in the movie Hotel Rwanda 20-something years ago. And back in March of this year, the March 2nd, uh, episode 13, we had his daughters Anais and Kareen on the show to talk about the fact that he had been essentially kidnapped by the Rwandan authorities. It's an incredible story. But... The sad part about all of this is that it just hit the one-year mark about a week and a half, two weeks ago for the time that he has been in prison there in Rwanda. But finally, it's starting to get more and more media attention, and this last week, People Magazine ran a story on it, and they said, quote, The arrest of Rusesa Begina, who famously saved the lives of more than 1,200 Hutu and Tutsi refugees, sheltering them inside the Hotel des Mille Colines in Kigali during the three-month massacre that killed more than 800,000 people, has led to international condemnation against Kagame, with New York-based Human Rights Watch denouncing it as an enforced disappearance, a serious violation of international law. So to get the whole story on this, you can go to hrrfoundation.com, H is in Harry, rrfoundation.com, and you can make a donation, which will help pay for all the lawyers and the expenses that it's that it's costing to try to bring him home. So please go there to learn more about this. And Aaron, I wanted to give you a little update on yesterday. I flew from California to Illinois. I'm back in Illinois now. Mm-hmm. And on the plane, I saw yet a new documentary from David Attenborough. Everybody, oh, your favorite. Absolutely. Anybody who listens to the show knows that he is one of my idols, and it would be amazing to get him on the show. He's now, I believe, 95 years Dang. old and still kicking butt. And But he has a new documentary called The Year Earth Changed that's out now on Apple TV or, of course, on American Airlines. And uh, 
but it talks about what has occurred over the last year and a half since this pandemic started that what has occurred in nature and also with just our overall planet. For example, in India, just 12 days after the lockdown began, a man told his son, and there was a young photographer on this thing, probably 20, 22 years old, said he's having his breakfast and he said, hey, come up to the rooftop. For the first time in his life, this young man could see the Himalayas, which are over 200 oh. kilometers away. That's the highest mountaintop on earth. And, and all this time, had been, it had been hidden behind the smog for his entire lifetime. And now it was visible. All because people all around the world stopped driving their cars as much, mm -hmm. stopped polluting the environment. And so he, he couldn't believe his eyes. And to quote Attenborough in the documentary, he said, it's a vivid illustration that the moment we pause, the earth was able to breathe again. So it doesn't sound as good when I say it, but when he says it, it's, it's a vivid illustration that the moment we pause, the earth was able to breathe again. I think anyway. he could narrate anything and it would just sound so beautiful. Exactly. And he, could, he could literally say, this morning I flushed my toilet and, and really it would be does. like, oh my gosh, I, I got to watch this. Oh, so, but that's so, oh, I love that quote. That's so true. It is. And, and they give example after example after example. And there's another example he gives of whales in Alaska that suddenly without having cruise liners cruising all around looking at the, uh, the glaciers and the ice caps and whatnot, these whales can now communicate in waters that are 25 times less noisy than before. And they use the analogy of, like, imagine when you're in a loud bar trying to talk with all your friends and you just can't communicate because the band is so mm -hmm. loud or people are so talking so noise. loud. Yeah, and so you just kind of all sit there, you know, quietly instead of really communicating. But then you go to a quiet little coffee shop and suddenly you can talk. And they're observing that that's what's happening in nature. Mothers can now leave their calves alone, these whales, to go hunt, knowing that they can hear them. And the adults can now get together and do these hunting sessions where they, where they surround the fish and they blow bubbles from up from down below and force the fish up and feed on them and Gosh. and then go feed their babies and this is happening all over the world so in japan they talk about tourists for many many years have been feeding crackers to deer outside of a temple and suddenly all these tourists are not there because of the crackdown or the lockdown of the pandemic so the deer all of a sudden are walking. They show footage of them walking through these temples with nobody around. And suddenly <laughs> the older deer start leading the younger deer a couple miles down the road to a little park area where the older deer remember that's where they used to, you know, to feed. Mm -hmm. And so that's where they've been going to feed. And now they're seeing that the deer are thriving and they're actually healthier than they were before because they're eating their natural habitat. That's wild. So basically, are you saying that it's best for nature if we just stay home and not go out? Well, what we're learning from this, and that's a really good question, Aaron. What we're learning from this is we already knew that we are impacting nature. Uh -huh. but, but what we're learning now is how can we learn to coexist better post-pandemic? For example, there was another story in Cape Town, South Africa, right on the coast there. 
there's these penguins called jackass penguins. I'm not making this up, but they are called penguins. <laughs> what? I've and never heard uh, of those. <laughs> yes, and these penguins leave their young up, you know, on the beach, just like up on the hill of the beach, and they go out in the ocean in the morning and they go and hunt for hours. Well, then they would come back in the afternoon and the beaches are crowded with tourists. So they can't get back to their young to feed them. And they showed footage from a few years ago of these penguins all along the beach and there's humans there and they're all just along the coast swimming, you know, looking at these humans saying, hey, you're in my way. I need to go feed my young. And so they would have to wait until after dark to go feed their young. Since the pandemic, with the beaches being closed in the first four to six months of the pandemic, they were seeing that these penguins would come back, immediately go right up on the beach, go to the young, feed them. They could go back out in the water, hunt again for another couple hours and feed them again. So they're seeing that the young are healthier, they're stronger. More and more penguins are now having twins, which is very rare unless they're really, really thriving. So... At the end of the episode, and they give example after example after example of this, that um, of where we're negatively impacting natural wildlife. And, but what they talk about is how we can change now coming out of a pandemic. We can, for example, make the vessels drive slower up in Alaska where they're not making as much noise so the whales can hear better. And they can make the ask the, the vessels to stay in one small channel where they all stick together instead of taking up all the space in these huge coves where these whales go. Perhaps we can close the beaches intermittently where these penguins are trying to feed their young. So it's just kind of opened our eyes a little bit more on how we're negatively impacting wildlife and how we can better coexist with them and share our space with them as we come out of this pandemic. Wow. That is so fascinating to me. I've been, I don't know, part of my anxiety lately, and I'm sure so many, for so many other people, they've been failing this as well, is like all of the negative impacts that's been going on because of COVID, just all of the people that have lost their yeah. jobs or have been struggling financially or you know, struggling with their health, of course, all of that going on right now. But it is uplifting to know that, you know, we can learn from this experience and actually make impactful Heck change, yeah. especially to our environment, which is so needed. Well said. I totally agree. So cool, cool stuff. Uh, nice silver lining of the pandemic. I, you know, my only hope is that we don't just go back to polluting the roads constantly. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can all also ride our bike a little bit more, drive our cars a little bit less, maybe try to not buy the big gas guzzling SUV, but maybe get a car, either an electric car or a hybrid or something that's a little bit better for the environment. So mm -hmm. just to make us all more aware of how we are impacting the world, even modest changes to yeah. our lives can really make a huge difference. Uh -huh. Well, I have seen for a lot of companies that they're just closing down their businesses or their like brick and mortar business buildings and just having everybody work from home now that they have those capabilities. And same with for my school too. All of my schools online because we've learned that we actually can do that now, which is actually, I mean, in my opinion, it's nice. I'm glad that I can do that now. Yeah. And not only that, Aaron. I mean, not only have we learned that we can work remotely, for example, but 
many, many will argue that it's dramatically improved their lives too by having, you know, not spending 45 minutes each way commuting to work. Mm-hmm. Having that extra 45 minutes and being able to have breakfast with your kids and maybe take your kids to school and maybe being home when your kids get home from school and and being more flexible with your work hours and not spending, you know, stressful time on highways. So how cool is that, that we're not only improving wildlife and, and, and animals' lives, but but even our own lives as well, perhaps, out of all of this. so That's so true. Now, that said, I'm sure it goes without saying that in no way are we forgetting the horrible devastation caused by this pandemic and just the sheer number of lives lost. It just has been an excruciatingly tough time for so many people. But it's just so nice in all of this to just take a moment to find a few silver linings. Well, getting to today's topic at hand, the challenges of trying to implement some of the things that we've learned from our guests along the way. And if it's okay, Erin, I'm just going to start and throw out one thing that I'm still struggling with, even though... Let's hear it. I've made progress in this area. I'm still struggling with forgiveness in one part of my life. I think I'm making tons of progress thanks to... Asim Kamisa, one of our earlier guests, and Christian De La Huerta, who I read his book, and we had an in-depth talk to him about it. But some of the things that I was struggling with at that time have come back in my life with this certain individual that goes way back. And so I'm still struggling with it. But thanks to great advice from our from our guests, I'm making progress and I'm getting closer. That's great. It's It's been very interesting to have guests on and talk to them about different things that they've gone through. And it's amazing how universal a lot of that is, like talking about forgiveness, too. We've all experienced that in our life, whether depending on I mean, it doesn't matter which side we've been on, but we've all experienced struggling with that and everything. And that's been a really cool part of this podcast is is getting to actually implement all of this stuff in our own lives and how relatable all of this has been. Yes, I completely agree. And another thing a lot of our guests have talked about is the importance of positivity, importance of positive self-talk, and the importance of surrounding ourselves with like-minded and positive people. And in some cases, the necessity of having to even cut negative people out of our lives. And that's something I've been horrible at my entire life. I'm a Libra. I like to get along with other people. I love to help people that are struggling and it's not easy to do. Implementing change in our lives, it's 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 hard. It's really hard, but I know that I need to do this for my own mental and physical health. Boundaries is something that a lot of people struggle with as well, myself included. And I've heard people say that when you do set boundaries in your life, especially when it comes to certain people, the only people that will be upset at you for that or not be okay with that is the people that you set those boundaries against. And I think that's a clear sign that there is a reason why you needed that boundary. And I've also learned in my adult life that we should pay close attention to the times when we leave a conversation with somebody. We should pay close attention to how we feel after interacting with them. And if it's a positive feeling after hanging out with them that we feel, then 
you know, we know that there's a purpose for them in their life. We know that we want to continue spending time with them. If you spend time with somebody and then after you don't feel great about yourself or you're feeling kind of low, then maybe that's a sign that you probably shouldn't keep them in your life or you shouldn't invest more time with them. Dang it, Aaron! You have such a way of summing things up. <laughs> Beautifully said. <laughs> I could you. not have said it better uh, myself. That's for darn sure. Well, so, that's what I've learned, and also I think it's important for us to strive to be that person in other people's lives. You know, before we go out and spend time with somebody or go out to an outing or a party. We want other people to feel good about themselves after leaving a conversation with us. And that's really important. And that's something that I try to work on on a regular basis. Absolutely. We don't want somebody leaving going, oh, my gosh, that Steve is such a Debbie Downer. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, for sure. So mm-hmm. let's not act like we don't want people acting around us for sure. Another thing that I am still working on is how I interact with people experiencing homelessness. And I was so inspired by a couple of guests we've had on previously, Alan Graham of Mobile Loaves and Fishes and Terrence Lester of Love Beyond Walls. And I wanted to share a quick story, Aaron, that I that happened to me this last Sunday. I was driving. Uh, down the 405 in Los Angeles, and I exited an off-ramp, and I'm coming down to the bottom of the hill at a red light. And as there almost always is at, at every red light, a person experiencing homelessness is on the side of the road. And I normally, as I pull up, I like to do what Terrence you know, and, and Alan advise, acknowledge them, give them a wave, hand them a bottle of water. and But what was different, and usually they're holding a sign saying, I'm out of work, please help me, or what have you. But this was a woman sitting on the side of the road with her head down on the curb. She had some sign. I couldn't read it. It was like on her lap, and she just had her head down in just utter despair. And I had been driving down the road the last half hour, all the thoughts going through my mind, I, you know, was how horrible a week I've been having. Everything, one thing after another was going wrong throughout my week, just one thing after another. And, you know, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, uh, you know, the universe is throwing everything at me. My life is just a, uh, you know, a nightmare this week and woe is me type thoughts had been going through my mind right up to that moment and I pull up and I roll down my window and and I said excuse me and you know she looked her head up and I opened up my wallet and and all I had was a 20 and I'm not gonna lie I thought oh my gosh I don't have a five or even a few singles and 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 that was all I had was a 20 and I reached out and I and I handed it to her and and she just looked at me and said, um, I won't forget this. Thank you so much. And and I drove off and and I I had the to pull over to the side of the road and and I just I, I just lost it. I just I just wept for a moment and mm-hmm. and just here I was just after everything I had been, you know, 
I, I heard and taught and everything. I still was, woe is me. And bam, I'm reminded by this lovely human that had experienced so much misfortune to be in that position, way more misfortune than I could ever imagine. And, and it was just so, so humbling. And, and it just, you know, made me feel even worse about myself. My God, Norris, you've been crying and about how, how rough your week is going. And all of a sudden I'm smacked across the face with uh with reality and it was just a humbling humbling moment Mm, it sounds like that happened at the perfect moment too and it did that is really sweet and I'm sure that made her whole day having that I hope so but then I was still you know the light turned green right as I was handing her the money so I I still felt bad I because I didn't ask her name Mm. and and that's one of the things that Alan and Taryn said hey what's your name and I didn't even give her the dignity of asking her name in that moment you know and I would like to think that I would have because I wanted to engage with her but the light changed and I had cars behind me waiting for me so Mm. I guess my point is yeah I think it's good for us to be humbled sometimes and reminded that we just don't have it as bad as we think we do ever Mm mm-mm Absolutely. This was one of those things where before having those conversations with Alan Graham and Terrence Lester, I've held on to certain ideas and stereotypes for a while because of what I've seen on the media or what I've been told. And having conversations about that topic with those two guests totally transformed my perspective. And now it has reflected on my interactions with other people and hearing about other perspectives on it and exactly what causes people to be in those positions. If my life panned out the same way as theirs, if I didn't have the privilege that I do have, then there's a good chance that I would be in the same position as them. There's a good chance that I would be living without an address and Understanding that totally changes your whole perspective and worldview. It sure does. It forces empathy upon you. And I would argue not only is there a good chance, you most likely would be mm-hmm. in that exact same position without an, without an address. Definitely. And, you know, and Sam Harris, I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but... Sam Harris talks a lot about this in, in, in his books. He writes a lot about just that, that, that any of us are capable, depending on the DNA that we're born with and then the nature versus, versus nurture, the upbringing that you know, we are in. If we grew up in a, with a mom as a crack addict and a father an alcoholic or just one parent or there was sexual abuse or, or verbal abuse or, or what have you, you know, if we grew up with all of those same factors, that not only could be us, that would be us. It's literally that simple. And when you shift it and look at look at it from that vantage point, it makes you rethink everything like punishment, like crime. You know, is prison the right thing to do for people that commit nonviolent crimes, for example? 
you know, maybe we need to shift our thinking and try to help these people versus just incarcerate them uh, because of everything you just said, Erin. For sure. We're a product of our environment. You're absolutely right. If we grow up in an environment absent of education, absent of kindness, absent of love, and we are only exposed to um, horrific conditions, drugs, alcohol, abuse, then we're going to repeat that and we're eventually going to end up out on the street. And so, yes, a little empathy goes so far with, uh, with our fellow man in all areas of our lives. Just a huge lesson that we've learned from this show. Absolutely. So one of my challenges that's come up with quite a few guests, or maybe it's just how I've been receiving some of our guests' advice, but for me, one of my challenges in life has been being present, which I've talked about before, but with me being in school right now and working in a couple different jobs, I'm always having to check my phone and my emails, and it's so hard for me to just unplug from that. Like later in the evening when I'm home after I'm all finished up with working and did my homework, whatnot, I still feel the need to have my phone or laptop nearby to make sure everything is checked off. And then I'm already like working my checklist for the next day instead of just like relaxing or spending time to read or whatever it is I want to do. And I just need to work on being able to call it a day and put the phone away. What you are doing in the present moment creates your future. It really is that simple. And I believe your dad may have gotten you a book this last Christmas called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. And uh, if you haven't read that book yet, I highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite books of all time. And it has so many great reminders and exercises on how we can be more present in our lives. The past is an illusion. The future is a fairy tale. And the sooner we acknowledge that, the sooner our lives improve. And I still struggle with it too, but I'm way better at being present. I'm way better at enjoying my cup of coffee and enjoying a sunset and enjoying a walk. And like Dr. Rich Blundell said in a few episodes back, enjoying the sound of a blue jay. Uh, Just being present can make such a huge positive impact on your life. And it's funny because it seems so easy, but... For so many of us, it's not because we're always well, because it's being burdened with different things stimuli. we have to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's constant notifications. That's the first thing you can do is turn off all your yeah. notifications on your silly phone. So you're not beeped every when someone sends a stupid message mm-hmm. or a Instagram post or what have you. Yeah. Turn off the distractions because uh, it is hard. But the more you can minimize that, put your phone in a different room when you go to bed at night, all those That's things can make a big, a big impact. You're right. Another thing that I have struggled with and also that I've learned so much throughout these first 33 episodes was how, for example, when we started this, I was thinking that we're going to learn about all these different things we can do to help make the world a better place in deeds and helping other people and donating, donating our time to charity and that sort of thing. But I've been blown away at how much advice we've gotten back that the one of the best things we can do is to focus on improving ourselves, our own mental health, our physical health, Mm -hmm. creating our own joy, creating our own happiness, loving ourselves 
And that by doing that, that puts us in a far greater position to help improve the world. If we improve ourselves, we are improving the world. And that has been a huge lesson for me. Yes. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I was thinking the exact same thing. I think it can be overwhelming to see all these problems happening in the world and also see all these activists doing remarkable things to change the world. And whenever I see that, I'm always asking myself, what am I even doing? Or why am I not filling up all my time volunteering or picking up trash or whatever it may be? But at the end of the day, I think that if we just strive to be better, if we just strive to better ourselves and if we make it a priority to grow and learn and work to be our best versions of ourselves, then we can show up for the world in a more meaningful way. Woohoo! Once again, <laughs> you summarized that, uh, that beautifully. Taking care of ourselves and prioritizing ourselves is actually how we live our truth. And that can actually allow us to live a more joyful and fulfilled life. And it's improving the collective world. We are all, that's another thing we're told time and time and time again by these thought leaders and guests and best-selling authors is that, is that we are all part of a community. We are all connected. So to your point, improve yourself, bring joy to your own life, uh, acknowledge the beauty in the world. And just doing that, you're making a huge difference to improve our world. 100%. All righty. Well, this concludes today's episode, but next week is our season three finale. Woohoo! And for our last episode of season three, we have Woody Faircloth, another CNN hero who I believe, Aaron, it's been quite a while since we've had a CNN hero on the show, have we not? Yeah, it's been a minute. So tune in next week to hear Woody's inspiring story and learn about what he sets out to do and accomplishes with his young daughter, Luna. We'll see you next week. Thanks to our producer, Noah Existe, and editor, Joe Tompoco. Our music was written and performed by Nadia Importante. Thank you so much for listening. If this podcast brightened your day in any way, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you have a suggestion for a guest or have any ideas on how we can improve our show, please send us an email to betterplaceprojectpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at betterplaceproject for updates on our show. Look for small ways to be kind to others this week, and that will help make the world a better place. Make the world.